to the Compelling Words podcast. The Word of God is meant to move us. It's meant to call us to action. Listen in as Kevin Purdy teaches and presents a genuine and compelling message from the Word of God. Don't walk around the down and out Lend a helping hand Instead of doubt Well, that was a little bit of a throwback there, a throwback to 1969. That was Glenn Campbell, a song called Try a Little Kindness. I won't mention the fact that 1969 was even before I was born. That might make some of you feel a little bad. I don't know. Anyhow, well, Mark Twain said that kindness is the language which the deaf can hear and the blind can see. Chinese philosopher Leo Su said, Kindness in word creates confidence. Kindness in thinking creates profoundness. Kindness in giving creates love. The English artist and author John Ruskin said, A little thought and a little kindness are often worth more than a great deal of money. And the ancient Greek storyteller Aesop said, No act of kindness, no matter how small it is, is ever wasted. When the Apostle Paul wrote to the Christians in Galatia, he wanted them to get a picture of how a Christian should live. He wanted them to understand that when God's Spirit is in us, it changes us and it affects our attitude and our actions. So in his letter, he writes what we call the fruit of the Spirit. They are specific character traits or character qualities, qualities that can be used to define, to describe those that follow Jesus. And right in the middle of this list of all of these qualities is kindness, right in the middle. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 25, we read, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Apparently, the Apostle Paul would agree with Glenn Campbell. Let's try a little kindness. Margaret Mead was an American cultural anthropologist. She studied the different variations within culture of human societies. And supposedly one day a student asked her, what were the first signs of civilization? 
When you discover these sites, what is the first sign of civilization for a society? And he expected the answer would be something like a clay pot or a fish hook or a grinding stone, something like that. But her answer surprised him. She said the earliest sign of a civilized society was a healed femur bone. She explained that there are no healed femur bones found where it's law of the jungle and only the strongest survive. She said if a bone was healed, it meant that someone else had to do the hunting and the gathering. It meant that that person had to be cared for by other people. Therefore, she concluded that the evidence of compassion was the first sign of civilization. And it's, it's not just a civilized society that calls for kindness. God wants us to be kind. In Colossians 3, verse 12 through 14, we read, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all of these virtues put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. According to the dictionary, kindness is the practice or the tendency of being sympathetic and compassionate. The word kindness in Galatians is an English translation of the Greek word krestos. And it's a very interesting, a very unique word because we really don't have an English word that's equivalent to it. It's a unique word because we don't have a word that means the same thing. It's kindness, but it's not just kindness. It means pleasant and gracious, but it also means useful. It's not just kindness. It's a kindness that has a purpose. It's a kindness that has a worth and a value. It's not shallow. It's not superficial. It's practical and it's useful. It's more than just being nice. It's more than just being friendly. It isn't, it isn't just a kindness that gets noticed. It's a kindness that gets experienced. It's more than just an attitude. It's an action. And kindness like that, kindness like that doesn't just say the words, I care. Kindness like that shows how much you care. In Luke chapter 8, Jesus is surrounded by a crowd of people, and a man named Jairus falls at Jesus' feet, and he pleads and he begs with Jesus to come to his house to help his daughter. She's 12 years old, and she's dying. And so Jesus begins to follow this man to his home, and then along the way, another woman comes, and she is out of the crowd, and she just wants to touch the cloak that Jesus is wearing. Because she feels like if she could just touch that cloak, she can get this healing. She's been suffering for an illness for 12 years. And she's reaching out, just hoping that just by touching the edge of his robe, that she'll be healed. Jesus knew that he'd been touched. We read this in Luke 8, verse 43 through 55. Who touched me, Jesus asked. 
When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding all around you and pressing against you. But Jesus said, No, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet in the presence of all these people. She told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, Don't be afraid, just believe and she'll be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She's not dead but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and he said, My child, get up. And her spirit returned and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Without a doubt, Jesus is the greatest example of kindness. And in this moment, we can see it. In this moment, we can see the kindness of Jesus. It's easy to see because think about this. There's two very different people that Jesus meets in this moment. One was a man, the other was a woman. He was rich and affluential, a synagogue leader, a man in power. And she was poor and outcast. She was considered unclean. And Jesus showed compassion to both of them. You see, kindness should never be selective. Kindness shouldn't be selective. When you hear someone describe someone as a kind person, more often than not, they don't mean they're just kind to certain people in certain situations. When you hear someone described as a kind person, you think they're kind to everyone in every circumstance, in every situation. In fact, if you hear someone who is known to be a kind person, if you hear something about that person being unkind to anyone, you think that's not right. It shocks you because it doesn't seem right. Because we know that kindness is meant to be all-inclusive. Kindness is meant to be for everyone. But sometimes we have a hard time being kind to certain people in certain situations. Sometimes some people make it really hard to be kind. One guy, one old guy, was in line at a McDonald's drive-thru. And he was just taking his time trying to figure out what he wanted to order. And the lady behind him, she must have been in a hurry because she was visibly agitated, honking her horn, making gestures, very impatient. She must have been in a hurry. The guy was getting annoyed, but he thought, I'm not going to let this get to me. I'm going to be kind. He even decided to pay for the lady in the car behind him, and so he did. He pulled up so she could order, and the attendant must have told her because all of a sudden her attitude changed. She smiled, she waved, she mouthed the words, thank you. And then when he got up to the pickup window, his attitude changed. He showed them both receipts and he took both orders. <laughs> and then he pulled forward, and when she came up, her order was gone. She had to go back through and get in line again. <laughs> The moral of the story is don't mess with an old man. 
And actually, it's, it's funny, but the better half of that story, the, better, the first half of that story is the better half of the story. <laughs> That's the better thing to do. God calls us to be kind even when it's hard. God calls us to a kindness that doesn't have conditions to it. That's the whole reason. You remember that story Jesus told? We call it the Good Samaritan. You remember that story? Jesus said, love your neighbors. And of course, then the question was what? The question was, well, well, who's your neighbor? I mean, isn't that like what we do? You know, Jesus tells us something and we want to get down to the nuts and bolts of it. We want to get down to, okay, I'm supposed to love my neighbor. Well, who is that? Who specifically is that? Because I, I want to be able to do just what's right and not have to go any extra with this. So, so who, is, who are our neighbors? So Jesus tells them a story about a man who's mugged, he's robbed, he's beaten, and he's left alongside the road. And one by one, two different men come walking by, and they don't do anything. Uh, a third man comes along, but he doesn't just pass by. He goes out of his way to help. It just so happens that the man that was beaten up, the man that was left there along the road, was Jewish, the two men that had come by and walked right past him and ignored him, they were also Jewish. In fact, they were religious leaders. But they didn't stop. The man who did stop was a Samaritan. And in that culture, in that context that Jesus told this, there was a lot of animosity and a lot of hatred between the Jews and the Samaritans. Most of it was due to their religious views and their ethnicity. But Jesus told this story to point out the fact that your neighbor, the one that you're supposed to care for, that should extend beyond just the people that you're comfortable with. It's more than just the people that you are comfortable with. People should not have to qualify to have your kindness. Jesus showed kindness to the wealthy, affluent man named Jairus. And he showed kindness to the poor, sick, outcasted woman. He took time to listen to them, and then he responded. Because you see, that's, that's what kindness does. It listens and then responds. Jairus came concerned and worried for his daughter. And this woman came overwhelmed with her own illness. And Jesus listened to both of them. And then he did something about it. He took time to help both of them. That's one of the best ways that we can show kindness, is just to give time. Time with somebody. Time to listen and time to try to help. Time is such an important commodity in our culture. If we just give a little bit of time to the people around us, that shows so much kindness. If we're letting the Spirit shape us into who God has called us to be, we should be kind. We should be taking the time to listen to the people around us. And sometimes, sometimes we need to listen even when people might not be speaking. Kindness is being aware and being sensitive 
to those around us. Way back in the 1930s, there was some intense developmental work being done on a new technology that used electromagnetic radiation. The work developed into the use of radar, what stands for radio detection and ranging. A radar sends out short bursts of electromagnetic signals, and when those signals reach an object, they bounce back. And the returning signal detects the location of the object in relation to where the radar is. Radar is used to see what cannot necessarily be seen physically. One of my most frequent prayers is to be more aware of opportunities to be kind. I want to be better at taking notice of people who could just use a little nice in their life. I want to be aware of those moments where I can try a little kindness. And I know some of you, some of you have that gift, and some of you have that gift in temperament. You have a radar that really sees when someone is feeling down or hurting in need. You recognize those moments when someone can use a little bit of kindness. And if you've got that gift and that temperament, lean into that. Lean into that and be sure to respond when you feel that signal going off. It's always good. It's always good to give a little kindness. By the way, kindness doesn't expect anything in return. Kindness doesn't expect anything in return. If someone is kind for self-serving reasons, that's not really being kind. Kindness loses value the moment that it becomes an expectation. And I'm guessing that we've probably encountered someone like that. They, they might do something nice and kind for you, but there's some sort of expectation attached there's a condition or an expectation attached to it. I'll, I'll do this for you, but this is what I expect in return. That's not kindness. That's a business transaction. That's a bribe. Some of the most meaningful expressions of kindness are done in secret. Jesus told us to give and to give without seeking attention. In Matthew 6, verse 3 and 4, it says, When you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Have you ever received a gift without knowing who gave it? Have you ever had a kindness expressed to you by a random stranger? Whether you're the recipient of that or whether you're the giver of that, it's a wonderful blessing and it's very, very meaningful. It doesn't always have to be anonymous. Kindness can be recognized too. I think I've shared this before, but when Leanne and I were first married, I was in my first ministry and our finances were very, very tight. And one night we had some friends over for pizza and then for several days after they left, we kept finding money in the strangest spots all throughout the house. We'd, you know, we'd open up the medicine cabinet and there'd be a $10 bill. We'd pour out a bowl of cereal and a $5 bill would come out of the cereal box. You know, we'd reach in for some ice out of the freezer and there'd be a $20 bill. 
we knew what they had done, and we were blessed by that. And they were blessed when they, we thanked them for that. And they got a tremendous amount of joy hearing about all the different ways that we stumbled across this money that they had left for us. Do you remember back in the 90s, uh, you would often see billboards that encouraged people to try random acts of kindness? Um, someone came up with that idea because they were watching the news and they kept hearing about all these random acts of violence. And they thought, why don't we try just doing random acts of kindness? And so it became this big campaign that started. The idea was to get out and do something nice just for the sake of being kind. That's a, that's a pretty good idea. And if you're a Christian, it's even more than just a good idea because that's meant to be who we are. We're called to be kind because of the kindness that the Lord has poured out on us. Titus chapter 3, verse 3 through 7 says, At one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus our Savior, so that having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. If true kindness is more than words, if it's more than words, if it's care and compassion put into action, then we all know that by far the greatest act of kindness was Jesus on the cross. That was the greatest act of kindness because that's where Jesus showed us how much he cared. There's an old Greek proverb that says, kindness begets kindness. It means that when kindness is given the more kindness is then given. It's, it's contagious. Well, the Lord has been kind to us. So let's respond by being kind to one another. Ephesians 4, verse 31 and 32, Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with envy, or every form of malice, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. God expects us to be people who are kind. But I do want to make a quick side note. Kindness doesn't mean that we always give in, or that we always have to say yes. Being kind doesn't mean that people are free to take advantage of us. Being kind doesn't mean that people have a right to mistreat us. Being kind is not something that we should be forced or coerced into. And kindness does not excuse things that are wrong. We're not meant to ignore, excuse, or accept wrong and sinful things for the sake of being kind. Sometimes being kind means saying something that's hard to hear. Sometimes being kind means to have hard conversations and confront some things. It might not seem kind to raise your voice and yell, 
But if someone's about to get hit by a car, you might have to yell really loud. It might not seem kind to call something sin and say that it's wrong. But if that sin is going to hurt them now and for eternity, it would not be kind just to ignore it. Kindness isn't just a pleasant demeanor, a friendly smile, and a firm handshake. Biblical kindness is a call to action. Raise your hand if you ever heard this. Raise your hand if you've ever heard someone say, kill them with kindness. Ever heard that? You just need to kill them with kindness. It's an old saying that basically means that you can use an overabundance of kindness to actually annoy, irritate, or harass someone. You know, if you're being bullied or picked on, mistreated, just overcome that with this overabundance of kindness. And, you know, if someone's being mean to you, kill them with kindness. It's a good defensive tactic that can and does work. It might encourage them, get them to quit. But as Christians, our hearts are being transformed by the Holy Spirit. And we're being kind for an even deeper and more significant reason. We're reflecting who God is. We're reflecting who God is. We aren't killing with our kindness, but hopefully we're making a difference by being kind. Hopefully our actions and our attitudes are showing God to those who are around us.